Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We'll get started in just a moment. If this is your first time here, please consider subscribing so that you may stay up to date with the latest podcast. And if our podcast brings value to your life, please consider sharing it with family and friends. Thanks for listening. And now here's today's podcast. Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. So I was thinking on what to preach on, and, and here's what I know about culture today. We are really good at making excuses. Would you agree with that? We live in this uh, instant society, microwave society, where Man, we want what we want, and we want it now, and if we don't get it, we make excuses and run the other way, right? And so we are good at making excuses. When you get into the sports world, man, we're even better at making excuses, and I believe that excuses keep us from persevering. Excuses keep us from experiencing all that God wants for us. And so today, if I title my message, the title of it would be, Our excuses, God's promises. Our excuses, God's promises. Like I've, so I've been around uh, sports for a long time, uh, my whole life, and I've been around ministry my whole life, uh, and so I've heard a lot of quotes on excuses. Right, Uh, preachers, coaches, you name it. I've heard. Here are a couple of my favorite ones. These are not me. Uh, they're way smarter than I am, but I am going to recite them because I, I, I like them, and I hope you do too. Uh, number one favorite excuse quote, if it's important to you, you will find a way. If it's not, you'll find an excuse. If it's important to you, you'll find a way. If it's not, you'll find an excuse. Man, we can apply that to some kingdom work, all right? Uh, number two, excuses will always be there for you opportunities may not, okay? Excuses will always be there for you. Opportunities may not. Don't miss what God has for you because you're scared, okay? Don't miss what God has for you because it's not the right time, right? Number three, there are only two options. Make progress or make excuses. That's your two options. In life, in sports, in church, in your marriage, in your parenting, in your finances, make progress or make excuses. All right? Love that. Question yourself. I told you it's a little challenging today. Are we making progress or are we making excuses? All right? My last quote, excuses are like, no, I can't share that one. That one's from a coach that's locker room talk. We don't want to say that in church from the platform. All right? We won't, we won't share that one. All right, here we go. Um, here, here are some common excuses that I hear as a parent, as a minister, uh, just in life. I don't understand. It's too difficult. I couldn't find the right tools. I don't know how, right? Are, these, are any of these familiar? Like, how about this one? Uh, he started it. She started it. I bet I heard that. I felt like I heard that 13 thousand times yesterday like yesterday was one of my my wife's here like yesterday was a sat it's probably the first Saturday I've been home in like three months uh just all day home and my kids running around in the house I, that's all I heard all day was excuses just he did she did 
He said, she said, just ready to drop kick them, right? I didn't, but I was ready to, right? But excuses, we get good at making excuses. It becomes a big part of who we are, and sometimes we don't even realize it. That's the problem. We don't realize that we're making excuses because sometimes we get so comfortable where we are that, that we, we, we don't even realize that we're going against God's will and God's purpose for our life because we just kind of get comfortable, right? And so these things that I've mentioned are all superficial things that that maybe, you know, in the sports world, all that stuff is great, but it doesn't matter. But here's the challenge. What excuses are we making in advancing the kingdom of God? What excuses are we making in, in the kingdom work that keeps us from experiencing all that God has for us? That keeps us from walking in his purpose and not just walking in function? Like, what do we say in, a, in, in our daily lives, right? Because if it's important to us, we will make a way. But if it's not, we will find an excuse, right? And so that's the challenge this morning is to say, hey, where am I making excuses? What does God want for me in my life? Am I experiencing his best? Am I experiencing all that he wants for me? Or am I just kind of kicking back, living life on the, in the fast lane and just kind of going and doing and not really thinking about kingdom work, okay? So that's where we're going this morning. Uh, here's what I know. God's promises are always bigger than our excuses. God's promises are always bigger than our excuses. That's an important thing. I, I put that kind of in quote form up here so that you can see it, so that you understand. No matter what the excuse is, God's got a promise that's bigger than that. Okay? God has got a promise that's bigger than that. I love the story of Jeremiah in the Bible, right? Jeremiah, uh, if you're not familiar, I'll give you a little background, but uh, Jeremiah was, uh, they, they say, scholars say uh, that he was somewhere between 17 and 25 years old, right? When God comes to him and says this, all right? So think about this, 17 to 25, all right? Any 17-year-olds in the room? Okay, good. thought there'd be a 17-year-old in the room this size, but there's not. So anyways, 17, any, any 17 to 25-year-olds in the room? There you go. We got one. All right. You're, oh, there you got two, three. All right. All right. So think about this, right? 17 to 25 years old. Let's just say 17 because let's talk about, let's think about you're a high school. You're a junior in high school, and God comes to you and says that I am going to appoint you the prophets of the nation. Okay? I am going to appoint you the prophet of an entire nation. Right? That, that is scary. Right? That, that's kind of like coming to you and say, hey, hey, how about you, 17, junior in high school, how about you be the president of the country? Right? And I'm going to say, um, no, thank you. Right? I, no, like, okay, so, so, so this is Jeremiah's story. And what I'm encouraged by with Jeremiah is this, is that Jeremiah has a book in the Bible that's named after him. So he probably did some right things. But when you start out in Jeremiah chapter 1, man, the dude was full of excuses, right? He, he, he did not want to do it. He did not want to say a prophet is the mouthpiece, right? He is the mouthpiece of God, not just to his home, not just to his school, not just to his city, but he is the mouthpiece of God to an entire nation. And I don't know if you know this, 
But sometimes, sometimes, and, and, and I would dare say most of the time, if you read Scripture, a prophet all, doesn't usually have a message of like rainbow, rainbows and unicorns and prosperity, right? Like he, he, he doesn't just come and tell you you're going to have your best life now. Like he, he's not, he's, he's usually, a prophet's usually not bringing that little hunky-dory message that just tickles everybody's ear, right? Like a prophet usually is bringing something that's challenging and confronting and convicting, and, and he's coming, and you probably don't want to hear it. And so that's where Jeremiah is, is that he's saying, man, God, are you sure about this? Like, like. Are, are you sure this is what you want me to do? And so I encourage you this morning to say that even Jeremiah didn't get it right. And there's certainly been times in my life where I haven't got it right, right? There are times when God puts a call on your life and you have every right to say, I'm too young. I'm too scared. I'm not qualified. Are you sure you want it to be me, God? To run, and you could be like Jonah and be like, no, nah, Shawty, I'm out, right? Like I'm... I just went like high school talk. No, shout out. I mean, I, sorry. Uh, like, like I'm gone. Like, not, let me let me jump in. You know, let me go. Right, right. So, so there are times where God puts these things in our life, and man, we have every right to be terrified. But man, if we could just obe- be obedient to what God has for us, to lean more into the promises than we do into the excuses. Here's what I know. God wants to do big things in your life. God is not a mediocre God. God did not die on a cross for you to experience mediocre life. God wants to do big things in your life personally, and sometimes that's going to require us to get out of our excuses, out of our comfort zones, and walk in. And guess what? Sometimes you don't know the answer. And sometimes you don't know what it's going to turn out like. And sometimes you don't know the next step, but that's just part of trust, right? That's just part of his promises is to know that he's way bigger than we are. And sometimes I just need to step into saying yes and amen and let him figure out the rest. Amen? Right? And so God wants to do big things. Here's what I know. I believe, I don't think it was any accident. As a matter of fact, I know it wasn't an accident. I try to come and uh, to our supporting churches with FCA. And, and by the way, I meant to start off by this. I am FCAJ. Sometimes I get excited and just start preaching. Uh, FCA is doing very well. Okay? Thank you for your support. Uh, COVID has not stopped FCA, all right? We are, we, we are still in the schools, okay? Don't let anybody tell you we're not, all right? We're, we're still, as long as sports is happening, Jesus is getting preached, okay? And so FCA is doing very, very well. So thank you, uh, Covenant Life, for your support of our ministry. Um, but I come last week to, to church, and uh, just because we like to bounce around and, and see our uh, supporting churches and and I don't think it's an accident that we were here. We were sitting right back here, and, and uh, Pastor John turns around and says, well, hey, how about that? I was going to call you this week and ask you to preach, and you're here and in person, so here you go. And so I was here last week just to visit and, and say hello, and, and all of a sudden I, I get to come back two weeks in a row, so you get to see me two weeks in a row. I'm sorry, okay? And so, but, but I got a chance to not just hear Pastor John singing, okay? I got a chance to hear his vision. I got a chance to hear his dreams for this church. 
and they're big. And if your pastor's dreams are not big and they're not scary and they're not uncertain, I'd say go to a different church. And I got a chance to hear his heart. And some of that stuff is big and it's scary and it's uncertain. And, and here's what I know, though. man, If it's big enough for us to accomplish on our own, it ain't big enough. Right? Right? If, if it's something that we can do by ourselves, it ain't big enough. And so there's some things that I heard share last week. Listen, I have the same heart for this community. I have the same heart for this place that we live and go to church and go to school to see the 85% that's not in church on any given Sunday, to see them in the house and have a relationship with God. I've got the same heart, but sometimes it takes stepping out of comfort zones and stepping away from excuses and saying, God, I don't know how it's going to happen, but I'm just going to say yes. And so I say, get behind your preacher and say yes to God and yes to the dream and yes to the vision and watch what God will do in this place. I told you I wasn't tickling ears this morning all right I'm sorry right right dude God has got big things for Covenant Life Church say yes pray for your pastor get behind your pastor he wants to see God do amazing things you are part of a journey in this Jericho project and house of chairs that's big that's not small we don't know what's how going to look hey be a part of something where the city council has to do something about it right that means you're doing something big right? Keep it up, man. God wants to do big things, and he'll never do it if we just sit back in our excuses. It's going to take getting out and stepping into the promises of God. Okay, I'm good. I think I'm going to get to my points now. That was my introduction. Are y'all ready to go? All right, here we go. Introduction. All right, excuse number one, the task is too big. The task is too big. Jeremiah 1, chapter 1, verse 5 says this, I appointed you a prophet to the nations. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Now, first of all, understand this. I've said this. A prophet is a chosen spokesman of God. And here is God not saying, hey, will you please be my prophet, young Jeremiah? It's not what he says, right? There's a big difference in an appointing and an asking, right? God says, I appointed you, Jeremiah, you 17-year-old Jeremiah, to be a prophet to the nations. Not just your family, but an entire nation. I want you to tell them what I need. I want you to, to lead them. I want you to be a spokesperson for me. And man, as a 17-year-old kid, heck, as a 37-year-old man, that is not something I want any part of, right? That is, some, that is something that is big, right? There is a task that can be in front of us to change the culture around us, a task that reaches the 85% of non-church goers, a task to do things differently than we've ever done them before, a task to be set apart in your hallways at school, a task to be set apart in your workplaces, a task to be set apart in your communities, to do things differently, to be holy, right? There are tasks in front of us to where we just say, God, yes, yes, God. But man, sometimes it's scary to see, man, a task to host Rahab's. That's a big task. 
Certainly one I've never thought of. That's a big task. And when I say if it's a big task, that's right where God wants you to be. It's right where God wants you to be. And so God gives Jeremiah, I appointed you to be the prophet of the nations, right? Sometimes the task in our lives are going to be big. Here's the promise. Jeremiah 1, 5 says this later right after that. He says, I appointed you a prophet to the nations. This is what, this is what I love. I chose you before I formed you in the womb. I set you apart before you were born. God is saying, Jeremiah, this is your task. This is your appointing. This is your calling. This is what I have for you. And guess what, Jeremiah? I'm not caught off guard that you're 17 years old. Guess what? God was not surprised at his response. God didn't say when Jeremiah said, uh, he, he gives some, he didn't say, oh, really? I'm sorry. I got the wrong guy. No, he says, I chose you. That's the promises. God knows exactly who you are. He knows exactly what you've been through. He knows your sins. He knows your past. He knows your mistakes. He knows your inadequacies. He knows exactly who you are, and yet he still says, this is the promise. I chose you. There is something in your life that only God can use you for. I don't know what that is. I have no idea. I know there's some things in my life that are my appointings, right, that God says, you are my first-round draft pick. I want you. God knows everything about us. He knows the number of hairs on our head or the lack thereof. Amen. And yet, he still chooses us. God wants to use you and set you apart for his work. It doesn't matter how big it is. I love. I, love, I have to turn everything back to football uh, and sports because I love football and sports. But you are his number one draft pick, right? Bump, I like this because I think it's cool. Bump draft kings. If you know fantasy football, you know draft kings. Because we have been drafted by the king of kings. You have been selected by the King of kings and the Lord of lords to do things that are big and set apart. So stop settling for mediocre. Dream big. The task is too big. Excuse number two. I'm not qualified. My talent is inadequate. Jeremiah 1.6 says this, but I protested. So God says, I am appointing you. I've chose you. I've set you apart. This is your task. This is your role. This is what you're going to do. And then Jeremiah's response. This is where I get hope because I'm like, I know I'm not the only, like, excuse maker out there. But this is what Jer. But I protested. Oh, no, Lord God. Exclamation point right there, right? Like, this is Jeremiah. Oh, no, 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 no. No, God, no. You don't understand. That, like, God, like, he's saying to God, like, you don't understand, like, like he thinks God doesn't understand. God understands, right? He says this. I don't know how to speak. Well, that's a pretty big deal, right, when you're supposed to be a spokesperson for the nation, right? That's a big deal. He says, I, I, don't, I don't know how to speak. We've all used this excuse, right? But, but God, I, I can't do that. Like, I'm, I'm not smart enough. I've used that one a lot. 
I haven't been to seminary. I haven't been trained. I'm not a preacher. I have stage fright. I don't know enough about the Bible. The finances are not right. I can't. I can't. I'm not, I, I don't know how to speak, God. Right? Any of y'all ever done that before? I know I have. God, God, the, not, no, you, you picked the wrong guy. I can't even speak. Listen, the first time when God called me to preach, I think I might have said about these same words. No, Lord. Wrong guy. I, I, I don't know how. I, I, if you can remember, or I can remember. You can't remember because you weren't there. Allison was the only one there, I guess. My first sermon, I, I announced my calling to preach when I was 19 years old. It's been almost 20 years. Oh, my goodness. We're getting old. Um, but I, I preached at this little, I was raised, like, forgive me, like, not forgive me, but I'm just telling you my background. It's not, it's, not, it's not sin. I was raised in, like, Southern Baptist KJV 1611 Church. You know what I'm saying? And we had these big wooden pulpits. I don't know if y'all remember them. But they had like the little podium part right here where you set your Bible, and then it had this whole section over here and this whole section over here, and them suckers weighed about 600 pounds. You know what I'm saying? You, if that thing got moved, it was, the only time that thing got moved was a funeral and because we felt like the casket was more important than the pulpit at that moment, right? And so that thing was big, and like I'll never forget my first sermon. And like I'm, I, my knee, like I move a lot now, right? That's, that's what I do. Is watching me preach is like watching a tennis match. But my first sermon... I think I held so tight right here, and my knees, like, hit the, like, like, it was a good thing you couldn't see through it like you did this, like you can this one. I mean, I could not speak. You did not, I, I can't imagine how bad that sermon was, thinking back on it now, right? But I was not qualified for the job. But here's what I know. I sure didn't make this one up. God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called, Right? God doesn't call. He's not looking for you to be ready. He's not looking for your skills. He's not looking for your talent. He's got enough of talent. He's not looking for your ability. He's looking for your availability, right? Is when you say, God, I don't have the ability, but babe, I am here for you. That's when he's going to do some big things in your life, right? I love this right here. Noah was a drunk. Abraham was too old. Jacob was a liar. Joseph was abused. Moses was a stutter. Stutter. Gideon was afraid. I stutter over the word stutterer every time. Anyways, Moses was a stutterer. Gideon was afraid. Rahab was a prostitute. David had an affair and was a murderer. Jonah ran from God. Job went bankrupt. Peter denied God. Zacchaeus was too small. Martha worried. The Samaritan woman was divorced a bunch, and Lazarus was dead. And he still used them. You've never disqualified yourself from what God wants to do in your life. Amen? You're never disqualified. God is not looking for how good you are. He's just looking for you to say, yes, God has a way of overcoming our weaknesses and our insufficiencies. It says in Scripture, it says that his power is perfected in my weakness. His power is perfected in our weakness. The person most aware of his own inadequacy is usually the person most dependent on God's all-sufficiency. Say that one again. The person most aware of his own inadequacy is usually the person most dependent 
on God's all-sufficiency. This is what Jeremiah 1.9 says. This is the promise. Jeremiah says, I'm not qualified. I don't know how to speak. This is the Lord's response. Then the Lord reached out his hand, touched my mouth, and told me, I have now filled your mouth with my words. Whatever God calls you to, he's going to equip you, encourage you, and empower you to do it, right? It's not the most gifted and talented person that he's looking for. It's the person who's been touched by God. Because when you get touched by God, there is nothing that you cannot accomplish, right? It's the touch of God. Never underestimate the power of God's touch. Amen? All right, let me preach. We'll be here all day. Excuse number three. The time is not right. Mm. Anybody ever said that one? That's what, this is what Jeremiah said. Jeremiah 1.6 says this. But God, he, first of all, he said, God, I can't speak. And then he goes on to say, just to act like he wasn't God, I, I'm only a youth. Like God didn't know that, right? He already said that. Like, he, he acted like God didn't know how old he was. He said, but God, I, I, I'm only a youth. And how many times has God called us to do something and we said, but God, I'm, I'm not old enough. Or God, I'm too old. Or, or God, I'm too busy. Or I can't afford it. Or that, that's just too dangerous. God, are you sure, right? Jeremiah didn't believe that he could make a difference because of his age, but God had other plans for him, right? God knows your age. He knows your situation. He knows your circumstances. He knows how old you are, how old you're not. He knows how much money you have or how much money you do not. He knows exactly where you are, and he still wants to use you. The timing may never be right. If, you, if you've been married, they used to say, I've heard people say, well, you know, we're not going to have kids till we're financially ready. Mine are 10 and 7. I still ain't financially ready. Amen to that? I mean, like, yeah, well, we're, going, we're, going, we're, going, we're not going to get married until we, you know, we get you know, all my student loans paid off and I get the, the boat I want and, you know, find the perfect house. Then we'll get married. We're going to live in sin until then, but we'll, we'll get married. Sorry, I shouldn't have said that. Uh, we're going, you know, the timing. The timing has got to be right. We're all about trying to figure out Guys, guess what? We, we don't know God's timing. That's not our job. Our job is just to say yes, right? The timing may never be right for you to leap out of your comfortable job and paycheck and go into missionary work. The time may never be right for you to start a, a house for, for human sex trafficking. The timing may never be right, but I'm, God that, I'm glad that I don't operate on Jay's timing and that I operate on God's timing, amen? And I'm glad that it's not about when I'm comfortable, but it's just about me taking the jump and letting God take care of the rest. Amen? This is the promise. Jeremiah 1, 7, 8 says this. Then the Lord said to me, do not say that I'm only a youth, for you will go to everyone I send you to and speak whatever I tell you to. Do not be afraid of anyone. I don't care how old you are. I don't care who you're talking to. I don't care what their status is. Do not be afraid of anyone, for I will be with you to deliver you. This is the Lord's declaration. 
This is the promise. If you hear no other promise today, hear this one. I will be with you. He's with us wherever we go. Whatever we do, no matter our circumstance, he is always with us. He may call us at an inconvenient time. But he never calls us at a time that he is not willing to go with you every step of the way. Remember this. Excuses will always be there for you. Opportunity may not. God will never bring you to something that he's not willing to bring you through. God will never bring you to something that he is not willing to bring you through. Excuse number four, it's too dangerous. The message isn't popular. This is what Jeremiah 1.13 says. Again, the word of the Lord came to me inquiring, what do you see? And I replied, a boiling pot, its lip tilted from the north to the south. Now, that's like symbolic. So if you haven't done a lot of Bible study right there and you don't know the whole situation, this is Jeremiah's first message to the people, to the nation. He has got to tell them that Jesus is about to pour, that God's about to pour some scalding hot water on them. Now that's not, that, that, I told you, a prophet usually ain't got unicorns and rainbows and prosperity. This is the first message that God is saying to Jeremiah, hey, you tell them that I'm about to pour hot water on them from the north to the south. And sometimes God comes to us and he calls us and he doesn't say, hey, go tell them everything's going to be okay. Sometimes he calls us to say things that are confronting, that are challenging, that are convicting. Hey, I don't know about you, but our world needs some messages right now that says, hey, it's a little bit dangerous, but I'm willing to talk about the name of Jesus above every other name, right? That's what the world needs. I'm not saying go and, 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 and just tell people how wrong we are. Here's what, here's what the world needs is a message. This is dangerous right now. A message of honor. A message of love. Because, you know, we're in this world. I'm going to get off on a tangent for a minute, a little bit of a soapbox. We're in this world where the world says you got to pick this side or you got to pick this side. And if they're over there and you're over here, you don't like them. And, and, and if you're over here and they're over there, you don't like them, even if they're in the church with you. Woo, don't let me get on Facebook and all them comments that people be making. Man, I just sounded old to my high school guys because I said Facebook. They don't, y'all don't worry about that. All right. We are in a world that's so divisive. And what if we just brought the message that is dangerous right now? Because if you say that, that I love you and I love you, then you're getting attacked by both sides. God is looking for people that are willing to be dangerous, that are willing to share a message no matter how much it cuts and how much it hurts, right? Is God wants some people to say, man, I'm just going to say what God tells me to say. Man, being a Christian is not always the most popular. It's not always going to get you the most likes, the most retweets, the most snaps, whatever we all do these days. It's not always the most popular. I think about Paul when I think about this. This is what he says. This is 2 Corinthians eleven twenty three through 33. It says this, are they servants of Christ? I know I sound like a madman, but I have served him far more. 
Here's where, here's, where, here's where it hurts. I have worked harder, been put in prison more often, been whipped times without number, and faced death again and again. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and day adrift at sea. I have traveled on many long journeys. I have faced dangers from rivers and from robbers. I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I have faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, and on the seas. And I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not. That's not it. I have worked hard and long and during many sleepless nights. I have been hungry and thirsty and have often gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. Then, besides all that, I have the daily burden of my concern for all of the churches. Who is weak without my feeling that weakness? Who is led astray and I do not burn with anger? If I must boast, I would rather boast about the things that show how weak I am. God, the Father of our Lord Jesus, who is worthy of external praise, knows that I am not lying. When I was in Damascus, the governor uh, under the king kept guards at the city gates to catch me. I had to be lowered in a basket through a window in the city wall to escape from him. We're pretty blessed. Somebody prayed it earlier, I think. We, we didn't have to go by guards to get into church this morning. I dare say that us, if we took 39 lashes one time, would be like, peace out, I'm done with this. And yet Paul right here says, man, I have been beaten and stoned and thrown into prison and shipwrecked and gone hungry, and I'm still going to proclaim the message that's the greatest message, the gospel, the good news. There's nothing that will stop me, and I believe that we need some dangerous Christians. I believe that we need some dangerous prayers. I believe that we need a dangerous gospel, not in a bad way, but to say I'm going to proclaim it no matter what people tell me around me. I'm not going to stop. I'm going to keep preaching. I'm going to keep giving the message. I'm going to keep pressing on. I'm I'm going to keep saying yes. I'm going to keep going, and I'm going to keep leaning into his promises because I'm tired of making excuses. And yet, if we get asked to get out of our two-story house and our picket fences and give up a paycheck, no, Lord, no, that's too, that's too dangerous. God wants dangerous. Here's the promise from God after he says, hey, tell them this. They're about to be go through some wrath. He says this, Jeremiah 119, this is the promise. They will fight against you, but never prevail over you. Since I am with you to rescue you, I don't care how dangerous it is. I don't care how many people don't like it. God will always deliver you and rescue you and you will always prevail you just keep saying yes God you just keep pressing forward you just keep pursuing and man he will take care of the rest excuse number five Bree, you can come on up do I have to go now hmm. anybody have, I, I use that one like Lord you you sure this, this is what Jeremiah 117 says. God said, now get ready, stand up, and tell them everything that I commanded you. What, what he's saying is, get ready, let's go. Let's go. God has placed something in your heart 
He's placed something in your pastor's heart. He's placed something for this community. He's placed something for your family. And he is just wanting you to say, let's go. The timing may not be right. The finances may not be in order. You may not know the next step. But God is just saying the promise is that they will never prevail against you. I just need you to say yes. I just need you to say okay. I just need you to say when, Lord. I just need you to say yes, Lord. And sometimes not even know what the question is. Mm. Yes, Lord. I don't even know what you're asking, but yes, Lord. I had a guy that came this morning to first service that I had the opportunity to, I didn't want to put him on the spot first service, but I had the opportunity to baptize him a couple weeks ago. And he said to me, I do a, I do a one-hour discipleship call with him every week. He's at college now, and he called me the other week. He said, Jay, Jay, whoo, man, this is good. Hi. I heard the Holy Spirit talk to me for the first time on the baseball field. And, and, he, and he told me that I should tell my teammates about Jesus no matter the cost. He didn't know what the message was. He didn't know how he was going to say it to him. He just gave his life to Christ, but the kid heard the Holy Spirit speak to him, and he was willing to say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. He didn't know the results. As a matter of fact, he invited them all to a Bible study, and not one single athlete returned. He plays college baseball. Not one single athlete returned the message or the call. He's okay. He's okay because he knew that his job was just to say, yes, Lord. He knew that his, he, I, I told him, they said, I planted, Apollo's watered, but God gives the increase. You just keep planting, son. You just keep watering. The increase is going to come. The increase is going to come. The timing may not be right, but God is saying, let's go. I'll never forget. I know you've heard this before, but I, I will never stop talking about it to the day that I die. When God called me to go into FCA, it wasn't convenient. The timing sure wasn't right. The finances sure wasn't right. I was leaving a comfortable career, a successful company, a steady paycheck to say I'll go be a full-time missionary on your mission field of West Georgia and Carroll County and Douglas County and Harrelson County and Heard Counties. Yeah, it, it was not comfortable, and I, I sure wanted that paycheck, especially with a family. And I'll never forget the day that I, I went and I had lunch with my boss who's not a Christian. And I said, putting in my two-month notice. December 31st will be my last day. I'm going to be a full-time missionary with a fellowship of Christian athletes. He had no idea. He looked at me like I was crazy. Because see, his security was in a successful company and a successful paycheck and, 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 and all the things that we look at in America is, is, is good. 
And I didn't know what it was going to look like. But I just stepped. And I think back. Over the last five years, what if I didn't make that step? Because in October, when I put that notice in, I hadn't raised the first dime. Had not raised the first dime, but I just said, yes, God. And I look five years later, and I see God's favor, and, and I, I don't want to put him on the spot, I'll cry, but I see these guys back here that, that I get to hang out with and, and love on and, and minister to and build relationship with and, and to think if I hadn't said yes that I might not have had a relationship with Zyler and Seth and Carter and all those guys. If I hadn't said yes, I didn't know what it looked like. But I know that delayed obedience is disobedience. And I just had to say, yes, God. You will always and you can always find an excuse. But you may not always find an opportunity. So I just this morning in, in the altar call. just a minute Bree's going to sing and we're going to stand and you're welcome to worship right where you are these altars are open and maybe there's something for you or your family or even for this church that you just want to say God I'm taking the step if for you you've never taken that step to say I want to be a follower of Christ come find me there's no more excuses come find me I will talk to you and I will walk you through it. But I feel like there's some people in here that God wants to do big things. And this morning, you have the option, two of them. Make progress or make excuses. What will it be? I pray that you just say yes. That you just say yes. You may not even know the question, Timing may not be right. You may be too old. You may be too young. You may not have enough money. You may have too much money. But you just got to say yes. God's promises are always bigger than our excuses. Let me pray for you. Lord, we love you. Thank you so much for this day, for who you are, for these people. God, you know the hearts of everyone here, God, as we go into this time of response and, and, and altar call, God, I, I just pray, God, that if there's somebody here, an individual, a family, just a church member that says, God, I'm tired of making excuses, and I just want to say yes. God, I pray that right now that their progress is to come get in this altar. They may not have the answers when they walk down. They may not have the answers when they walk back. But the progress is to just say, yes, Lord. So, God, we thank you. We praise you for this time together today. God, may we walk out of here. God, may we make your name famous. 
Jesus' name. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.